Welcome to Two Guys Talking Youth Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about youth ministry culture, leadership, and strategy, led by two local youth pastors, along with other youth leaders from around the country. Now here's your hosts, Matt Willingham and John Kilowatt. What's going on, everyone who is listening? We are here. We are here. Where? No, we can't say that yet. We're here Wait, first. We're, we're two guys. Here. Two guys talking youth talking ministry. Youth I'm just ministry. so excited. I want to get this podcast Listen, going, man. All right. First, you need to calm down. All right. Sorry. We got some formalities. Am I, too, to am I too much in the mic? Just too tell me. right now. All right. Too However, this is episode 27. And? And? We do, I do got to give a shout out. Give a shout out. It is official, John. You adopted a son today. I did. Today, actually, at 1.35 p.m. Central Standard Time. On June the 5th. 5th, which is when we're recording this. 2018. You are? Daddy. I don't know if you heard that, but I just gave him a high five. You're a daddy. I am. It is official. official. So congratulations to you for real, PJ. But this is also episode 27, and it is special because we are at remote location today. Our first time at a remote location. This is... This is our first time ever. It is. Because we was going to do one in Indianapolis, and we failed at that one. But you, because we fell asleep that night. <laughs> You're right. But tonight, we are yeah. awake. It is June. What is this? It's June 5th. It's June 5th right now. It is 1130 Eastern time, and we are still up. In the up PM. Yeah. In the PM. And we're excited, episode 27, because we are where, John? We are at Hartford City, Indiana, Indiana at what we like to call Teen Camp. Beautiful Lake Placid Conference Center. It is scary, You've scary never lake. been? It's not the Lake Placid with the oh. alligator in it. It's, that's a different one. That's out east. Oh, that's this out is, east? Yeah, this is okay. different Lake Placid. But we're here tonight. We're excited. Episode 27. We've got some people that's going to be hanging out with us. We're going to get to them in a minute. Okay. Y'all just just hold on. Just sit tight. They're we're chopping at the bits, man. I know. I can, I can see their faces. We're going to get to them in a minute. But, hey, if we just want to say thanks. I know many of you are listening. You're shooting us some emails, some messages. And again, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what do you think of the episodes? What do you think of the podcast? Is there something uh, we want to co- you want us to cover? Is there some questions you have? Hey, we would love to just connect with you because we have questions ourselves. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about life. Am I cut out for this? <laughs> what about parenthood? <laughs> yeah, everything. Oh, no, you got <laughs> this, dude. You got this. You got. Um, but so if they want to get in touch with us, PJ, yeah. tell them again. Hey, just hit us up. Email john at essentialcoaching.us, matt at essentialcoaching.us, or message us on the book. On the book. Yep. We're on the book, Essential man. Coaching. Essential Coaching. Um, Today we're excited. Episode 27, the name yeah. of the episode, we're calling this Ministry Pitfalls and... Catapults. Mm, you like you like to play on the words there. I do like There's it. There's P's. The uh, the other one doesn't Catapult. start with a P, but it's a strong but P I, in the but middle. But when you emphasize the, the pulse, pult. everybody, yeah, yeah they, they ministry get it. pitfalls and catapults. We are excited yeah. and listen. Uh, w- let's just get right to it, PJ. All right. So instead of me just going around introducing all of you, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. I know PJ and I know some of you really well. Some of you we've just got to meet. Uh, and get to know really well this week. But you know what, James, you go ahead and introduce yourself first. And since I do know you the most, and then we'll kick it around. We'll let everybody else introduce themselves, and then we'll get into our discussion. Yeah, sounds good. I serve on staff with Pastor Matt and Pastor John. Uh, my name's James Young. I'm our North Judson campus pastor, and uh, I've been on staff for five years. I've uh, been doing ministry since I was 18 years old. And I uh, love every bit of it. I've been married for seven years to my beautiful wife this year in December. That's hard to believe, but I'm I'm pretty excited about that, as I should be. So, 
Absolutely. Is she excited about it? Uh, yeah. Seven absolutely. years. Oh, yeah. she is. She, okay, she looks good. up. She looks at me in the morning like I'm blessed. I yeah. figure. I figure. Yeah. yeah she she wears that. She wears the blush shirt yeah. all over yeah. the house too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. I am Brooke Sedinger, and I am on staff at Real Life Church in Greenfield. I have been there about two years, and um, I have been in ministry for ten ish years. Before that, I was a um, manager of a salon chain um, for about three years, and then I got back into full-time ministry recently. I have been married for six years, and I have two kids. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And my husband is lucky also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Mark uh, Whitehead uh, with Connection Point Church um, in West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, I've been there about a year and a half um, well, a little over a year and a half now, and uh, been in ministry, uh, youth ministry specifically, since I was about 18, so I won't do the math, but a <laughs> while. Um, and uh, married, have a one son that is a year and a half old, so we basically came on staff and adopted him at the same time. So oh, that, was, awesome. that was great transitions, you know, all, all stacked up there all together. So, um, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. So now we get to know, we gotten to know everybody a little bit. We might have somebody else jump on randomly because we're like, again, we're at camp. So if somebody walks in, we might as well just throw them on the podcast. So um, we should just jump right into our question, our first question. Um, and kind of what we're doing is we've just got, we got some topics that I think would be good to just have some conversation about. The first question that um, that we've had asked of us a little bit, and this is something that we've touched on a couple times in our podcast, um, and we think that it'd be good to get some different perspectives of it, because um, we all come from different from different ministries, from different um, different areas, different avenues, different um, I guess it's different cultures, right? Um, and so one of the questions is so. What are some ways, like when talking about pitfalls in ministry, some things that maybe can trip you up, some things where you can find yourself um, in a place that you never intended on going, right? Um, Have you ever struggled with maybe illegitimately adopting an idea, um, an aspect of how you do ministry, maybe a process or a program into your ministry and you've seen it hijack the direction that you've been going like like an example an example that i can think of and uh, we've chatted about it in our in um a couple of our podcasts at our valpo campus what we're doing is we're looking at shifting our youth night right now um and going from a wednesday to a sunday and one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to be very very intentional about making sure that we're not just doing what's worked and maybe Lafayette and doing what's worked in Greenfield or in Indianapolis or in Chicago or in Oklahoma or in Nebraska and just doing what we know works there, throwing it into Valpo and then having an absolute train wreck, you know? So it's, have you guys, and so just thinking about that, like what are some, what are some pitfalls and what are some, some of your thoughts on that, you know, taking something you've heard in a conference or from somebody else and trying to adopt them into your ministry? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll speak to it first. One of the things that, and this is probably because I was um, youth pastor at a couple different locations. Like the first church I was at in Colorado, they actually canceled all their summer programming. So from the end of school year until the start of school year, there was no programming whatsoever. And um, when I went to um, a church, the next church, you know, we threw around that idea and it 
it did not fly at all. It, it's just completely different context. So um, that's one I was kind of thinking of. Yeah, no, I love it. I would also like just like to point out for a second how rich Mark's voice sounds right now <laughs> in my headphone. <laughs> like, dude, like I can oh, almost just right. like I'm gonna have him come read me a yeah. bedtime story uh-huh. after this. Yeah. Um, great. yeah, so great. so illeg- illegitimately taking things. What? Well, why do you? Why do you think? To maybe I'll kick it to Brooke. Why do you think sometimes Brooke in the ministry context, when when we see something that works somewhere, we're so quick and we go adopt it. Why do you? Why do you think sometimes it doesn't work and that becomes a pitfall in different ministry contexts that you've seen? Yeah, I think it's because a lot of the times it doesn't match our culture. Um, I think we're very quick to know when we go places exactly what we believe. Um, but we're very quick to adopt how we behave. Honestly, and so we haven't defined yeah. that for our churches super well and for our youth ministries. And so uh, that's not the way that maybe that's not the way that we behave. Yeah. And so we haven't defined that culture. And we're like, but we believe the same thing as them. So it's probably going to work. Um, but it doesn't match who we are. And we I think a lot of times when we've seen it work somewhere, we then end up looking in the mirror and feeling like it's us. Like I, I didn't I didn't use all the right tools. I didn't adopt that the right way. But mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't match our culture. Um, it yeah. doesn't match the way that we behave, and I think that's why it's so important that when we're going to different conferences and things like that, that we've clearly defined, like, this is what we believe, and this is how we behave right. with what we believe. That's really good. That's really good. What do you think? I'll kick it back to Mark. That's that's really good what you just said, Miss Brooke, about the behavior. This is what we believe. This is how we behave. What are, what are some things, Mark— you know, as as you so let's just we'll, mm-hmm. we'll use the ministry context of going to conferences. What are some things that maybe you've done personally, or even with your team, as you've prepped going to these places? Or hey, we're gonna go visit this youth ministry or talk to yeah. this youth pastor. What's some things strategically that you do to uh, to keep the behavior, I guess, um, yeah. you know, more on par of like, okay, as we go here, they'll remember. Yeah. This is what we do here. Yeah. Like maybe share that. I mean, for us, it's really, and this is kind of in the beginning phases of it, but it's really sticking to kind of the mission, vision, and values of the youth ministry. I mean, talking about that beforehand before you go, and making sure that that's clearly defined. And if that's clearly defined, you can really measure every idea that you're bringing based on that, and either cut it or add it or adapt it or yeah. adopt it however i mean yeah. i think that's 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 the key is having that defined yeah first i love that before you go and move on yeah so having the target on the wall of like right. this is what we're trying to accomplish how do we get there that's what yeah. we do i love that the pitfall you got something yeah. pj well and i think it's it can be important to know that doesn't mean you go you go to a conference and you need to shut you need to shut your mind off to maybe what they're sharing or or to their strategies, but I think what it sounds like is you really got to be intentional about who who are we, yeah. what direction are we heading, and how can we take this and and maybe maybe adapt it like to our culture. And and I think about that because James, you said you know you you mentioned like you're you're on staff at the same at the same church that myself and Matt are, but your campus is 45 minutes south of us in a completely different town right. in a completely different area with students that are com- like ridiculously different than the students that we that we are in the region of so yeah. if so maybe like for instance like let's say we're doing an outreach and we want to make sure that the same outreach is going on at our Valpo campus and our North Judson campus and you're sitting there and thinking and you've got in your mind how how am I going to adapt what they're doing at Valpo in North Judson what are some things that you look at because the vision is that this thing happens and that we reap the harvest from it right but how do you make that happen yeah one of the big things that we look at is making sure that we take those events take our outreaches take what we're doing youth ministry wise and we line it up with our community 
and understand what's going to work in our community. And um, North Judson's a small town of about 1,700 people. Um, the people uh, demographically are, are a lot different than a place like Valparaiso. So taking a concept and adapting it to where uh, it's going to attract those people um, takes some planning, takes some thought. Uh, but the idea and the result is, like you said, is what you want to stay the same. Um, so what we do is we take it with our team and we'll sit down and we'll talk about, hey, what does this look like for us? Um, here's the end goal and this is what we want to do as a church. Okay, so now how do we adapt this and make it work? And so those are some of the thought processes that we take. Um, some of those might be um, we might scale it a little bit differently than what would happen at Valparaiso, um, but still get the same result. I love it. The pitfall of taking ideas and adapting them to yourself. How do you avoid those pitfalls? Mark mentioned, you know, you're keeping the target on the wall, you know, understanding what, what Brooks said. All right, this is, yeah, we believe the same things, but we might be behaving a little bit different, understanding the community, the culture that you're in. Another pitfall, you know, we see uh, sometimes, uh, a lot of times in ministry, and I'm going to kick this one to Brooke first, and uh, it's probably one of the hardest ones, Miss Brooke, and then Great. and then Mark and and James <laughs> might <laughs> might chime in. I say it's one of the hardest ones because this is yeah. Good luck. This is Thank probably you. the most most time consuming and painstaking uh, thing in in church culture. However, it can be the biggest pitfall when it's not done correctly. And we might even talk about how it could be a catapult when it is done correctly. But the pitfall is not equipping and training leaders. Why can that be so damaging? Because, again, as pastors, as, as mm -hmm. uh, maybe bivocational youth leaders, we're like, well, we're the guy, we're the gals, yeah. we're supposed to be doing everything. Why, why, is the, why is the pitfall so dangerous of not equipping and training leaders when it comes to the ministry context? Yeah, I think that there's a, a couple of reasons, you know, aside from the nuts and bolts of, like, why it, you know, the, there's the first thing of, like, that's our responsibility. It's our responsibility yeah. as, as pastors mm -hmm. and as people who are um, – work you know leading in a church is to to train people like it's not our job to do everything it's our job to call out leaders and to raise them up and to make them better and to grow yeah. them and to walk that road with them and I think that you know so often we just are hoping that we open our doors and these incredible leaders come in and that they're just ready to lead things but if that was the case then they would already be leading things right and yeah. so they, they would already be doing that and so there's a lot of obviously just but it's so easy for us to just fall into that place where like no, I got this. I can do all of this. And that's because it does take extra effort. It does take extra time. It does take extra patience. It, it does take a lot more out of us, you know, to when you're standing back and you're looking at, I need 90 leaders and I have five, yeah. you know, and you're like, I would rather just do it than grow 85 people. But like, right. that's a dangerous trap to fall into because then you consistently live in this place of like, I'll do it and I don't need to train people. And then mm -hmm. really, you know, you're walking away from like the calling God has given you and, yeah. and what you're responsible for doing, which is growing and developing people and right making you know somebody took a chance on you somebody grew you somebody developed you and thank god for them so like yeah be that for someone else right. but i think that there are obviously just like a lot of of nuts and bolts and processes that go into that you know a lot of times we want to just throw that out there to people and be like hey i i i see something in you you should be a leader want to be an intern they were like call me if you're interested yeah. And, like, we expect right. them, if they already had that eagerness and they already had that drive, then they would be a leader. Right. And so it's, like, it's a long road to walk with people, but obviously it's it's beneficial and it's something that we are supposed to be doing. Right. Now, Mark, you you mentioned, like, you've been you've been to a few different, a few different churches, a few yeah. different, you know, a few different 
I don't know, different ministries, yeah. different vi- yeah. uh, maybe yeah. even different visions in your yeah. in your communities. What in your experience, what have you noticed has been the biggest the or maybe the most glaring reason that you've experienced where people have struggled with doing just that? Like, what are some of the reasons that you've seen? What are some of the things, like, if you walk into a church, you might notice, like, man, this church has done a killer job at it compared to, man, this church really struggles at developing yeah. people. Because, yeah. you know, we've experienced it just in our own church. There's seasons where we're great at it. There's seasons where we're like, we're not developing anybody right now. Yeah. So maybe what have you experienced? Like, why do people struggle with doing this this one thing right here? Well, I think, I mean, I, I think my first answer would be because it's it's hard. It's yeah. a whole lot harder to develop leaders than it is to do it yourself okay, in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, yeah. I think that's the first thing. I think it's just it's hard to spend that time because mm-hmm. you are really spending time with them, walking side by side with them if you're de- developing them correctly. I think, um, you know, I think the other side of that is is the, the mindset at the place that you you are going into sometimes is not in developing leaders and that right. makes it hard if the mindset if it's not a top down you know in play like mm-hmm. that's the way the church is thinking it's yeah. really hard to instill that yourself you know i was reading um a book just the other day and i loved the part of the book that just said we all should have the interim title in front of our name yeah. and and what they and what the book meant by that is Hey, you may be there one year, you may be there two years, you may be there five years, mm-hmm. but if you have that title in front of the, your name, then you're constantly thinking, I need to develop people to take my sp- space yeah. as I'm moving on, right. as I'm moving down. So right. I don't know. I think I think having that mindset helps us as well, too. No, that's really good. Brooke, what what has been something at at real life that mm-hmm. you guys you guys try to put at the forefront of developing your leaders? What is what is something that you try to make sure that you is almost like a non-negotiable because yeah. you guys do an incredible job at making sure that you are taking people from from beginner to just like an inter- integral part of what mm-hmm. you guys do. So what what is a non-negotiable at real life? Yeah, I think there was this big cultural shift that had to happen in us where we stopped presenting to people the needs that we had and we started talking about what their fit was. And oh, so we good. stopped standing up there and saying, we need nine workers for the nursery. And we started saying, okay, what is it that best fits you that you feel most fulfilled? And, you know, a lot of times we want to present things to people like this is what we need. And we just stopped presenting it from a place of, like, what we need and, like, how can I make you a better employee? How can I make you a better mom? How can I make you a better dad? A son, wh- Whatever it is that you do in your everyday life, how can this ministry make you rise to a better level in whatever it is that you do? And, you know, we, we a lot of times come from the angle of just, like, what our needs are. And we just have to stop talking about our needs and start talking about how can we grow them to be better people yeah, and better good. volunteers. That's good. And what, and what did that look like? Because even just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, man, I can just imagine. I can imagine sitting in the seat and hearing that type of lingo. What what did the response look like with your people when y'all switched that yeah. lingo and that, and that culture shift? It was absolutely um, – it, it was a great, you know, it took a long time for our leaders, a while of us talking about that with our leaders to get them to kind of shift themselves when, you know, our staff. But once we were able to kind of catch that with our staff and realize it's not about what we need, um, when we were presenting that to our leaders, they felt empowered. You know, instead of giving them answered we answers, we asked a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of want to stand up there and be like, here's where you should serve, and these are the answers. But instead we started saying, like, what makes you feel fulfilled? You know, what what gives you passion? What excites you? Let's talk about those things. Yeah. And, you know, we came out as a place of, like, asking more questions. And, and in our church, that just 
they got to people like talking about themselves, yeah. right? And that right, right, that right. got them excited because they got to say, you know what? Like I want to be a better dad. Yeah. And these are the things that excite me. So let's talk about how that fits with the church. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you know, and I know, I know too. Some people who are listening, you know, they're probably thinking, well, man, I'm. I've got 10 kids in, in my youth ministry, and me and my wife can, can do this by ourselves. Or uh, I've got, you know, uh, eight uh, um, volunteers underneath yeah. me. I can do this, you know, my, by myself. And I always, I always tell people the danger in that thinking is when it comes to leadership, you, all, you always have to start leading to the next level, right? Yeah. You know, so your youth group of 10, you got to start leading it like it's a youth group of 25 yeah. in order to get there. What, when, when that mentality shifts happen, Brooke, when it when it comes to you know even at real life, like you said, you was at a position. You're like, man, I need, I need uh, 90 leaders. I think is what you said. Yeah. And I had five. You know, a lot of people would just say, well, it's not worth it. I'm never going to get there. Yeah. But getting to that next level leadership, like leading in that next level, what in you personally had to shift when you started making that move? Yeah, I had to just you know, it's it's easy to just take a step back and feel like this is not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to get to the place where I, you know. A lot of times we're like, recruit, recruit, and that feels like an intimidating thing. Yeah. You know, but I had to get to the place where I understood, how can I not present them with this opportunity? Right. Like, how can I not put in front of, shame on me if I let people attend this church and be at this church, and I don't grow them to be better people. Yeah. Like, uh, shame on me for not walking this road with them. And I had to really take on, like, we have to take on that personal responsibility. Like, it's on me. Yeah. If somebody leaves this church and I haven't grown, that's on me. Yeah. If I haven't presented them with that opportunity, and I think sometimes we think we're inconveniencing people. By giving them opportunities to serve. I don't want to ask them. They have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ask them. They have a hard job. But n- no. Because what we're doing is making them better at their job. Better with their children. And yeah. that's how we have to kind of shift our mindset when we're thinking about it. I love it. Mark, let me kick it back to you. James, I'm going to come to you. We're going to go to the catapults. Man, you just stay there. I promise. What's the dangers, Mark, then, of somebody who's sitting there still saying, man, I don't have the time. Or I don't know if I have it in me. Um, where would they start, I guess, before I even ask you what I was going to ask you, where would they start with themselves? And they're like, well, man, how can I develop other leaders when I feel like I need to grow myself? And they're using that as an, as an excuse of not going and developing other people. Where do they need to start, those who are listening, and maybe they're thinking that? Yeah, I mean, are you talking more like references for, like, books? Because I can give you a lot of books. Dude, uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, if there's some books out there to read, definitely yeah. dump some books. Man. No, I mean, I mean, honestly, I think I think part of it is, is just – is just diving in with, I mean, it is books, but it's also just realizing that God has called you to that position for a reason. Yeah. And he wouldn't put you in that position if you mm-hmm. weren't called for that position. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, like, knowing that God has called you there, that means he's also put his mantle of, you know, being able to develop leaders. Yeah. And going into that with confidence, um, I mean, the... You know, I, I heard the other day um, just just a thought that, like, when are you ready to disciple somebody? Well, you're ready to disciple somebody, you know, if you have if you have been saved a day or two longer than them because you're a day or two closer to Christ. So you can start discipling. You may not have it all figured out, right. but that doesn't matter because you can instill into them what you're learning in your Bible time. And you can instill that in them. And I think it's the same thing when it applies to leadership, especially in youth ministry. You can be pouring in what you're learning right into them just yeah. just as long as you're i mean one step ahead right is you're still ahead yeah sometimes i'm in a full step it's like a it's like a baby step yeah right ahead. it yeah, feels right, like right, yeah yeah right right and right, so yeah you know and I, and I think too i think i think what miss brooks said too just earlier of just asking people and having the ability you know to go out I, I think there's a lot of people there's a lot of people in the church world they think we're looking for people that has an s on their chest 
but really we just need some people who are willing to step up to opportunities if we yeah. give it to yeah. them. You know, they don't have to have all the answers. They don't have to be the superhero. So, but but developing leaders is important. I think sometimes, unfortunately, in a ministry context, that's something that we don't pay enough attention to, and we put our, a lid on ourselves very quickly because of that that inability of of not necessarily the inability that we that we don't have it, but the inability to pay attention to that. So we, we've we've talked about some some uh, some pitfalls. Maybe let's just go ahead and jump PJ to the catapults. James, I'm gonna give you the microphone, man. So not so now you can kick us off on this one. Let's talk about the catapults because I know James, uh, you do this really well, and then we'll let uh, Brooke and uh, Mark hop in as well. Sure. Let's talk about one catapult that can really catapult your ministry to another level. I know PJ and I talk about this quite a bit on the podcast. We've done. Have we done a whole episode? I believe we have about this, but it's the catapult of an effective small group uh, ministry, whatever it looks like in the context of your culture and your community. Why is small groups such a big catapult, you think, in ministry context? I think uh, small groups offer you the ability um, to do effective discipleship. Um, it's hard to have those one-on-one -on -one personal conversations with a group of 70 kids. But when you get them in groups of 5, 10, 12 kids with some leaders who understand their stories, who understand their backgrounds, who understand where they are currently in life, they can help them get to their next level in Christ. That's yeah. almost impossible to do in a large group setting. Right. A large group setting is great for rallying and it's great mm -hmm. for inspiring. But when you're getting down to discipleship and saying, hey, how do we, how do we get you to the next level uh, in your relationship with Christ? Or how do we get you through what you're going through right now? Yeah. Or how do I get you to be an inspiration to your friends? That is a much more effective topic to discuss when I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the kid or when my leaders know what's going on in that kid's life and understand what's happening in their situation and can have that conversation. Right. And I think, I think that there's a part of everybody – a youth pastor, a pastor, a youth leader, just in general, I feel like they they understand or they they think that they they know why people talk small groups all the time, but they're nervous, they're apprehensive, and they and they they maybe don't do it because why? Like why is it that we know there's importance in small and small groups? Because quite honestly, it's easier it's easier to connect in small groups. We've we've now we're at day two at this camp that we're at right now. Right. right? Yep. I've seen Brooke and Mark walking all over the place. James, I see you. I see you with your students. This yeah. is legitimately the first conversations I've had with anybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'm gonna walk out of here knowing all three of you at a different level. Yeah. Where quite honestly, we would have all been sitting in that room for four or five days. Yeah. You know, competing on the fields, worshiping together in the altar calls together. We know that that's exactly what happens around the table, but right. why? Why is it so hard? Well, I'm, I'm just going to share this story, and then I'll, I'll kind of pass it off to these guys. Mm -hmm. The story that pops into my head is I think there's all part of us as a pastor that wants to be the Peter who steps up to the window uh, right after Pentecost has just happened and preaches yeah. the 3,000 and they get saved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. a part of us that wants to be the superhero. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's not those superhero moments that yeah. gets people through life. Yeah. Um, that's the moment that kicks them off, but that's not the moment that's going to continuously sustain them. Yeah. And that's what small groups is for, is that's to sustain them through the situations. That's really good. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think that one of the reasons kind of goes back to what we just talked about is that it's we have to develop some people right. to get to the ability to run small groups. Yeah. I think that there's a, a part of pastors, if I can just say this, that there's a control factor that you have to give up. Yeah. You have to kind of say, I'm willing to allow people to speak for my church yeah. to people that might not have a one on one relationship with me. And I think that when you look at small groups, you think, how many people do I have to develop and do I have to trust that they understand the culture and the yeah. heart of my church, yeah. that they can communicate that to other people within my church and I trust them. Yeah. And I think that that's sometimes an intimidating thing when you step back and think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't know if you've experienced this um, and I don't know. You guys can let me know which one of you wants to tackle it. I, I can speak for myself. One of the reasons is we tried launching small groups once and we fell flat on our face. We tried launching it twice and we fell flat on our face. Um, and it was to the point where we're like, we've got to do this one more time or else we don't know what's going to happen. I know why it failed a few times and we've kind of already chatted about it. It's because we took somebody else's small group model and tried just injecting it into our youth group. What are some, like, what are some tangible things that you guys have done to make sure that you've tailored small groups, whether it be what you do in small groups, when you have small groups, or how your leaders are trained for small groups? What are some things that you've done to make sure that small groups are are meant for your ministry? Which one of you guys wants to tackle that? There you go, Mark. I mean, I guess I'll talk about it since I got the mic. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, I'll just say how we do it in our context. Um, we, we actually make it a part of our Wednesday night service. Um, but I use it more as like, honestly, just, uh, me and, and get to know you and check in for only like 15 minutes. We have an hour and a half service. We do like games announcements and then small groups comes for like 15 minutes and then, um, we move into worship and then I preach and then kind of alter at the end or whatever. So, um, we just use it more as like a kind of a meet and greet, get to know you. And then from that small group, then later on we have another time. That's on Wednesday night, and then on Sunday night, we actually have more intense, like, discipleship small group time. So it's a good transition for us because we got students that, um, you know, they get to know other students in that 15 minutes, and then and then it's very easy for them to make that connection later on in the week because they've already kind of met them. Got it. I love it. Go, go ahead, Brooke. You got okay. something. Yeah, I just think that when we are kind of giving away that – um, that ownership to leaders and like we're asking them to lead small groups. I think that we do a really good job of um, giving people lots of rules, right? So right. we print it out and we're like, these are the rules of small groups. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and the thing that we need to do is we need to be better about like teaching our leaders how to create boundaries around their small groups. Right. And so instead of giving them like these are the things we talk about, these are the things we don't, these are the things we do, these are the things we don't. Yeah. That we we take an opportunity to train our leaders how to set those boundaries, yeah. how to teach them, like, this is within what we do. Mm. And so they're able to feel more genuine, and those things are better connections because they're not just worried about this list of rules, but, like, we're empowering them yeah. to be leaders and to yeah. make decisions and to create those boundaries that fit for their small group. Yeah. Not every small group is going to look the same, right. even within your church. Right. And so the better that you equip your leaders, the better that they're able to set those boundaries for their small group and what works with their group. Absolutely. I love what you just said there. Ms. Brooke, is how not every small group is going to look, this, just like not, not every youth ministry or ministry context looks the same in the kingdom, not every small group is going to look the same even yeah. in your church. You know, one might be more relational, more yeah. a, a Bible study. This one may not like a Bible study. They want to do a book study. All of yeah. those things happen. And I think I think the biggest thing about small groups is, is, again, it goes back to what we said about developing leaders. It takes time. 
right? Mm-hmm. And small groups can be messy because life is messy. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get nervous about that as pastors, like you said, Brooke, yeah. as pastors that we're given. I remember one story. PJ will laugh about this because it happened on our small group. One of our small group nights, one of our young kids, he had just turned 18. And, uh, and again, this is a small group. This is life. Like, this is life is messy. And this kid was a new uh, to Christ. And, uh, and at that moment, I don't even know if he had been a believer. But if he was, he's just very, very new. And he was tar- talking about turning 18. And, uh, and they said, well, what are you doing for your 18th birthday? He's like, well, I'm going to the strip club this weekend. And the small group leaders were like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, just they freaked out like crazy. But then at the same time, like, that opened up yeah. a conversation later on that, like, hey, let me tell you why a strip club for right. your 18th birthday that a small group leader got to have with him is probably not a good idea. Um, again, that that would have been a conversation coming to church, sitting in the pew, listening to a pastor preach, going to all that conversation would have never been happened. So even in the in the midst of it being messy, it opens up doors for conversations. But I, John and I are big on small groups because it's something that can catapult, and we could talk all night about small groups, but we won't. But it's something that can catapult. Your ministry and whatever the model looks like. Mark just gave an example of his, um, and even just hear him talk a little bit similar to ours, a little bit different than ours. But it's the context that he's doing and it's working there. Let's talk about this last one here because uh, we got time for for one more. Let's talk about, and I'm gonna kick it to Mark to start with one big catapult. And I know Mark is is great at this. So this is why I'm gonna let him start this off. One big thing. Uh, that can be a huge catapult for your ministry context, particularly in youth ministry. But then Brooke can talk about it, even in the adult side of things, is giving ownership back to your students. Number one, what do you mean by that, Mark? When 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 I say that statement, what do we mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I guess the way I look at it is um, my philosophy, our church philo- church's philosophy of ministry is, you know, our students are not the church five years from now; they're the church now, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think a lot of a lot of um, churches across America are, you know, hey, you are the next generation. And I'm like, no, they're the generation now. Yeah. You know, and so for me, that's that's a big part of giving ownership to them now. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't expect them to be the adult generation in a couple of years if we haven't already empowered them in their own youth setting to do yeah. that themselves. And so um, I, I, th- I think that's part of what I mean by given ownership back to them is they're the church now they're not the church five years from now yeah. they are the church now yeah and i love i love that your heart is so passionate about this mark we see our culture is doing this like crazy right now mm-hmm. you know to our students yeah which is which is a, a good for them but we see a generation that is hungry to have a yeah. voice yeah. and so politically yeah. and culturally they are making yeah. moves and they're making impacts yeah. you know and people are looking at them like well man it's just teenagers but that's yeah. how strong teenagers are so when we say that what so let's maybe now flesh it out what does it look like when we say giving uh giving ownership back to your students in the youth ministry context what does that look like yeah i mean i'll, I'll speak to it kind of what we're we're going towards and that's really just um more of a mentorship um in our youth group having our upperclassmen our juniors and our seniors mentoring and pouring into um, our middle schoolers and our freshmen and sophomore and really, you know, developing them as leaders, equipping them as leaders now um, so that and and really, if you think about it, like the way we have our scope and sequence of our whole youth group designed is that in we can get most of what we want to teach our kids in that four year time in four years. Yeah. Um, that's just how we have our grade set up. But then 
that that being the case, by the time they get a junior and a senior, they're then repeating some of that, and they're so they're able to take what they've learned and pour it back into the students. No, that's that's awesome, and and I like you're using them more than just passing buckets, which is yeah. obviously important, yeah. or you know, so yeah. to speak, you know, they're turning yeah. knobs on the soundboard, yeah. but yeah. you're giving them ownership of discipling somebody. Yeah. You're giving them, yeah. you're giving them the opportunity to impact somebody at at a pretty significant level because all of that stuff's important. And, and quite honestly, I, I hear that question and that's, that's like the first thing that pops into my head. Mm -hmm. Well, don't be nervous to let them do an offering. Don't be Mm -hmm. nervous to let them run sound or teach them the light board. They're capable, but it's more than just, just like the hands on doing stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's giving them ownership over somebody's, you know, somebody's salvation, somebody's eternity. And I think that's incredible. Um, like Brooke, at, at real life, um, do you do you guys have opportunities though for for your students uh, to serve outside of your youth service night? Do you guys yeah. try? Do you guys try to get them doing more and giving them ownership, maybe not just of the student ministry, mm-hmm. and giving them ownership of I don't know, like maybe kids ministry, giving because yeah. that gives them again the opportunity to pour into people or or what what type of yeah. opportunities you guys have? Do you place value on that? Yeah, we absolutely we let our students serve all over. Um, real life we and the thing is is that we've just been very you know kind of like what mark said we just are very cautious about not giving them jobs but teaching them values yeah um and so we're teaching them leadership values and so they're walking along with whoever is getting all the coffee ready on a sunday and they're doing that with them and it's and they're talking to them about you know every every week we kind of have a a word we have some core values and we have a word of the week that we're teaching or a word of the month and so like if that word for that month is healthy then um, that's one of our core values and we're talking about that while we're working with them and we're and we're showing them and we're explaining why we do things and you know we don't need more people to fulfill jobs right. we need more people to fulfill their calling and fulfill their destiny and to live out God's purposes in their lives yeah. and so that's what we're walking with them we're not teaching them jobs we're teaching them values I love that and it goes hand in hand with what you said earlier Miss Brooke of how you're how you even in, in your in your church culture you're looking to find people where they fit yeah and, and I mean, just think of how healthy that you're even your church is in is going to be what Mark said. No, they're not the church of the future. They're the church of right now. But now three or four or five, six years down the road, yeah. they've they found where they fit. They found their calling. They've they've been ingrained with the church yeah. culture. Man, how 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 even that much healthier your church yeah. is in five or six years. You know, when when that is there, what does that even do for the atmosphere of, of your of your church as a whole? When students, you know, are, mm-hmm. are are getting ownership of not just the youth ministry, but the whole church. What does, yeah, that, I mean, what does that do? It, it creates, you know, this excitement about like this is a family church. You know, this is a people feel that excitement and they and they they want to be there because they these people invest in my kids and not just in my kids doing jobs and not just putting my kids in a room where it's their youth ministry. But like in my kids as people and in my students as people. And that's that's become very important to them. And it's something that they see when they come. Yeah. And so. We just try to like live that out throughout our whole church and throughout. The, it's just become a part of our culture. Yeah, it's something we talk about, something we do. It's something that we we don't have to have conversations about anymore. Right, because it's just who we are. No, that's awesome, James. Why don't you uh, Why don't you give us just a few a few minutes? Like, why is I I love it when Mark said why is owning it such an important conversation piece to have with people. Like, cause I think, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of times we try to get people to be a part of it or to understand the significance of it. 
just maybe close out this thought, like just owning it yeah. in general. Yeah. What like what does that mean to you, and what does that mean yeah. to your North Judson campus? Yeah, absolutely. Our our lead pastor has this conversation and has talked uh, with us many times. Uh, there's a difference between a renter's mentality and an owner's mentality. Uh, a renter will show up and take full advantage of everything a place has to offer. Uh, but if something breaks, they pick up the phone and call somebody. <laughs> if something's not right, they pick up the phone and call somebody. Somebody who owns something, they look at the, the potential something has and says, how can I make this the best it possibly can be? So when you have leaders that own their ministry and students that own their ministry, they take it upon themselves to say, how do I make this the best it possibly can be? Not, not only in a church setting, but I believe when they begin to own uh, not so much the youth ministry name but the mission behind what the youth ministry is doing or your church is doing they take that into their school or they take that into their workplace and they begin living out your culture intentionally or unintentionally in other places they go because they begin owning what you're doing at that level and i think that's how you get effective ministry to start happening outside your church walls is when they own hey this is what we're about that's so good so good the ministry pitfalls and catapults it's been a good episode, episode 27. Listen, before we get out of here, though, I know people have probably heard you talk, and they're like, oh, man, I would love to connect with that person again, maybe ask some follow-up questions. You ain't got to give out your cell phone number, I mean, unless you want to. I'll give out but, Pastor Matt's cell phone number. No, don't give no, out I'm my cell kidding. phone number. <laughs> but but, uh, but, but what, how, if they want to connect with you, what's an email, Facebook, yeah. like yeah. Instagram? How, how do they connect if they, if they want to touch base with you? Yeah, you can email me at pastorjames at hcc3d.com. I'm on Facebook. Look up James Aaron Young. Instagram, p.boomer. Yeah, Boomer. That's my nickname. That is his nickname. Yeah, it is. And he is from Indiana. I even am though from he Indiana. does not sound like he is. So. I really am. So that's so, yeah. how you, that's how you connect Get a hold of me. with him. And if uh, Miss Brooke, if she said something like, yo, I'd love to pick her brain um, uh, as well and ask her some questions, how do they get in touch with you, Miss Brooke? Um, my name is Brooke Sedinger, and that is it on Facebook and Instagram. S-E-D-I-N-G-E-R is my last name. And my first name does have an E. There you go. I love it. I love it. And Mr. Mark, if uh, if they want to connect with you, man, just give them some contact information for yourself. Yeah, I'd, uh, probably the best way is the email, um, mwhyhead at connectionpointchurch.org. All right. I love it. I love it. Yes, his, his, vo- his voice. Get deeper. Dude, his, I'm telling you, his I'm, voice I'm, is I'm sorry. It's so rich right now in, in my headphones. It, I love it. It's late. <laughs> it is late. It's it is the a, later it gets, the, the deeper. The later it gets. He's going to sound like Barry White <laughs> yeah. in about five more minutes. So, hey, episode 27, the ministry pitfalls and catapults. How do they get a hold of you again? Listen, if you want to get in touch with us, it's two. we're two guys talking youth ministry, but it's Matt at Essential Coaching. Dot US or it is John at Essential Coaching dot US. John at Essential Coaching dot US. We want to thank Mark and Brooke and James or Boomer again for hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. Episode twenty seven, PJ. It's in the Did books. you have a good time? I had a great time. Bro, it was around the table. Hartford City, Indiana, Lake Listen, Placid. We said what time it started. What time did we finish recording? I don't man? know, man. It's Give almost it one in the morning. It's it's late. I'll take it though. It's late here, so we gotta get out of here now. Thank Skip you for and listening. Breakfast. And uh and we hope you listen again soon. Like it, share it, tell somebody about it.